Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. Betrayal in marriage is a trauma. Many wives have struggled to find healing because the help that they received simply didn't address the trauma. Today's guest is Lori Bryson, a licensed professional counselor who specializes in betrayal trauma healing. She's also certified in emotional transformation therapy, which goes beyond simply talk therapy in order to help clients experience deep healing from trauma and other emotional wounds. In our conversation, Lori shares what ETT is and how it practically benefits her clients and additional ways to help betrayed wives discover breakthroughs that lead to deep and lasting healing. To learn more about Lori and her practice, visit BrysonCounseling.com. To learn more about the Hope Rising Conference, visit AffairRecovery.com forward slash hope dash rising. For even more resources, visit BeBroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And we would love it if you would rate and review the podcast after listening because this really does help other people to find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken. We exist to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Let's dive into today's healing conversation with Lori. Well, all right, Lori Bryson, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I, I'm excited. We're always excited to get uh, folks that can really speak into this space of women who are just dealing with betrayal trauma. And that's, I don't think you can uh, over communicate or over learn in that space of dealing with that kind of trauma. But before we get into that part of the conversation and kind of hear from you, uh, what some things that you do in your counseling practice and all that, can you share about this really uh, exciting and neat conference that is coming up at the end of this month through Affair Recovery called Hope Rising Conference? Yes, I'd love to. Hope Rising is exactly, I think, what the title suggests is so many times when we're walking and navigating through trauma, grief, pain, um, we're desperate for hope and we need a constant injection of hope, right? It, it leaks out of us. And so Hope Rising is a one-day virtual conference now. So you can watch it the day of or watch it and purchase it on demand. And Hope Rising is put on by the Organization of a Fair Recovery. And it is a day infused with insight, speakers, knowledge, work, and really hope that it's possible to get through it and get to the other side. A lot of work is poured into this conference. I think they spend the whole year preparing. And I um, have the privilege this year of being one of the guest presenters. Um, so anyone that has experienced betrayal, whether you know it's a week old or you're navigating in the, the mud of it months later or even years later, um, I think it can speak to all avenues for anyone. And I, I've never heard anyone say, gosh, that was something I didn't need. Right. Yeah. And we will have the the link to the conference in our show notes. Um, and honestly, even if you just did a Google search of Hope Rising Conference, it pops up right there through Affair Recovery's website. So, um, well, Lori, I, you know, I was reading your bio and, I, you know, you have a degree in economics and yet you got into the space of counseling. Can you tell us a little bit of your your own story of how you got into the kind of work that you've been doing for nearly 20 years now in your counseling practice? 
Yes, thank you. Um, agriculture economics to 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 talk okay. about. So, yeah, I think like most of us, um, I don't regret that decision to get that degree. And I worked in the ag field with commodities and trading for a while. Um, but I've always had a heart for people. And I firmly believe in most of our lives that, that God does turn probably what we least expect in our pain and journey into, um, you know, his, his biggest ministry. And so really, it's not a great story. I think one day we were called into an office for a company downsizing, and we were told mm. at the company I was working for that, hey, within six months, it's a high likelihood half of you could be gone. And I was, I think, 26, 27 years old. And at that moment, I thought, well, um, I had been in recovery um, intensive at an eating disorder recovery center way back in the 80s and 90s. It was called Bermuda Ranch. And that was kind of my own personal transformation of my first encounter with God, mental health, maybe, you know, all the problems in the world weren't just mine. And I had fallen in love, you know, with a counselor that first just met me. And I remember the day he just said, hey, you know, God maybe has something planned for you. And he just loves you. And so I fell in love with that field. And so that very day in that conference room, we were told we were downsizing. I thought, well, maybe this is a good idea to, to dust off and figure out something to do. So I started my, my grad school. Um, journey to get my master's in counseling. I, I didn't end up getting downsized. Um, but then eventually once my daughter was born, that was when I took the leap to just say, well, I will try a go at counseling full-time. And so that's what I did. And mm -hmm. a wise, wise mentor in an economics way said, well, if you're any good at it, you'll make a living at it. And if you're not, you need to go find another job. So I still don't know if I'm any good at it, but this is what I've done full time for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I noticed um, also that you are uh, certified in is something that is called emotional transformation therapy or ETT. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about what that is and, and how you can even utilize that in your practice, especially with maybe wives who've experienced trauma? For sure. I'm so grateful, first of all, Jonathan, that we, we've caught up to at least, we continually refer to um, the experience of betrayal, specifically in a marriage or a significant relationship as trauma. Um, I can't state that enough, but I'm glad we now say it's a trauma of its own. Um, so I have to, to say that. Um, but back to the question of what is emotional transformation therapy or ETT for short, most of us have heard of what's called EMDR. It's pretty widely known. Um, I would call ETT just a first cousin to that kind of trauma work. And a little bit of the why is, is to why I believe in it with trauma is foundationally, as you know, we think of therapy as talk therapy. I sit there and you ask me how I'm doing. And as anyone knows that's been betrayed, you barely can eat or breathe and you don't even have words. There's no words to describe. Um, 
And so many that are traumatized by finding out they've been betrayed, whether it's images, thoughts, what they heard. Um, Our brains do some funny things and those thoughts become intrusive and repetitive. And the reason that um, I became trauma certified and I use it when necessary is I, again, was sitting with people in such pain and there was nothing I could do. And it started me on a journey of, I need to become more trauma-informed. I need to find other ways to heal our hearts and minds other than talking. And that's, in essence, what ETT is. Um, We use our eyes. Um, and, And what I like for people to think about if you're scared about trying it, but if you feel stuck, um, you're not going to look at a person while you, you know, you don't look in my eyes while we talk about the pain. And you're focused instead on your own memories, your breath, your body. And what we'll start to do is really deconstruct those memories. You can read all kinds of books about, again, how memory is stored in our brain. And we start to alter those. And again, I, it, it's crazy to me that God, if we really you know, created the earth, he's giving us a lot of tools to heal that are already within ourselves. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm answering, but that's what ETT is. And any practitioner that practices it, of course, they want to make you feel comfortable and would ask your questions. But I think it's very normal to go, what is this and should I try it? But I would say for anyone who feels like they're stuck, they can't get over an image or thought, they're not sleeping, they're not, if it's interfering with your life to that degree, trauma work can really help. Yeah. And, and so for the, I, I'm sure we have listeners, though, that are not familiar with EMDR, not familiar with... Can you describe what is actually done as part of that therapy? I mean, you talk about the eyes and things like that, but I think some people are like, describe for me what's going on uh, so that I can get a picture of what would one of these sessions look like. Right. So for example, in ETT, there's different things we can do with, with like one thing I have in my office. If you could imagine a big chart full of color in front of you, really vibrant, really just as bright as you can see. So even imagine yourself, right? What would happen to your body if you stared into a fire for a long time? What happens in your body when you're staring into the ocean in that kind of bright blue? So that's kind of an example of what we would do. You wouldn't be looking at me. And as we're working with your eyes from left to right, your right brain and your left brain, we might move your eyes and shift them around because our memory is stored behind the nerve in our eyes. Believe it or not, you know, our memories in our brain and it's right behind there. And so that's why we do some of that work. And for example, like if you came in, Jonathan, I would ask you to think about just one thing, not, not everything, but one thing that was so distressing to you. And you would just start to tell me about it. And we would, it would feel repetitive and we would work really with that one kind of image thought. And we would start to say, okay, and when you think about that, what happens to you, right? And you would start for the first time to go, I don't know, my stomach hurts, right? And I go, okay. And so we would just kind of be really curious, open, taking care of you, because it can be really scary to get in touch with what that image is. 
And we would work on that. And all we would work on that entire hour is not trying to even eliminate it. It'd be great if we could, but we would try to lower your distress even by asking, right, on a scale of 1 to 10, we would be very measured and repetitive to figure out what it is. And it's been fascinating to me as I work with people what actually comes up, mm-hmm. like what's inside of them. It can be a memory even when they're smaller. And that is an example, nothing to be afraid of, but it's something you really can't get in conversation therapy, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to, talk then about why, because I'm thinking about the, the the women out there that are going, okay, I've I've maybe done some talk therapy, or maybe I, you know, they've read some books or things like that, and um, there is something that's a little bit unfamiliar, maybe a little bit scary about this. But can you can we back up to sort of the thirty thousand foot view and say, especially when it relates to trauma. I think this is true of, of any kind of therapy that you can do, but especially as it relates to trauma, why is it so important that the whole person be considered like body, soul, spirit, all of that be considered as part of their healing rather than maybe in some cases where, you know, a pastor would just focus on the spiritual or maybe even a, a certain kind of counselor would just focus on the emotional. Whereas like a doctor is only looking at the physical. Why is it important to integrate the whole person as part of their healing journey? Great question. Um, I think for anyone out there listening, again, with the betrayal, just to spend a second and think, what happened to your body? Like, did you lose weight? Did you stop sleeping? Did you all of a sudden, as a person who's been calm all their life, start to develop almost panic attacks? Even that pain and that agony, right? What it does to our body. I think every person and woman out there can start to acutely say things that they'd never experienced before in their body started to happen. Mm. And so trauma, if you will, really happens to our body. You see it manifest in our body, right? Like the circuitry is all messed up. Okay. And that's why the 30,000 view but view of trauma work is trauma is also then healed in the body. God, you know, longs for this wholeness and this restoration for all of us. And so, you know, it's kind of trauma stored in the body and trauma therefore is healed in the body. And that Mm -hmm. means you're still talking, you're still relating, you're still going to have that same necessary human component of compassion. But in the first time for a lot of people, we're really going to try to integrate all of it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what are some of the, uh, how would you describe maybe the, the process that you want to take a wife through from, let's say, sort of, again, just thinking about maybe basic or general stages. What does that look like for a wife to go through the healing Um and I know that every, everybody is uniquely, you know, personal, but in, you've been doing this long enough that you've probably seen some generalities in terms of timeframes um, and, and just what does that overall process look like for a woman to go from a place where it's like she, don't, she doesn't know which way is up because of the trauma 
to being at a place where she feels stable, secure, safe? What does that look like? You're right. I mean, everyone's story is uniquely yours. So we really can't compare pain. But what anyone you work with, the reason you want someone that's experienced in betrayal trauma, because you see it over and over and over, you can begin not to normalize your pain because there's nothing that's normal about it. There's no way it's supposed to look. But we're able to assess like this, you're stuck here. Or maybe this isn't even about this trauma, but probably a developmental trauma earlier in your life. Um, so right at first, I mean, I would say the first, you know, after the aftershock of the news, the event, the discovery, the first three to six months um, for anyone that I see, I mainly, I, I hate to say this, I do very little. I do very little, as we all know when we found out someone's died or there's very little you can do other than just be with the person, remind them you're there. Are you eating? Are you drinking? How are you sleeping? And we really go back to just this basic, and I always call it almost an infant-like need. Mm -hmm. um, we can't see any further than the hour yet, right? We're just trying to survive the day. Because all of the emotions are there. I think for women in particular, I'd like to just encourage, normalize, and remind what can be really scary at first is the idea of rage. It sounds scary. It almost sounds like it's not of God. But I know emotionally, the human response to betrayal can be rage. Mm-hmm really scary, particularly for women, because it can feel so out of control. You know, betrayal trauma, right? Hell hath no fury. I mean, the things that right, you yeah. out, right? And um, so a lot of times we'll, we'll go there as well, like, and just allow the space to say, I hold you. And you can talk about it. I love you enough. I'm not going to let you do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But understanding that that feeling is so normal. Yeah, what does that look like, especially in that stage of being able to have um, maybe some healthy boundaries mm -hmm. in in her life? Is that part of the process as well of being able to say, how do I uh, kind of protect myself from me during yeah. this time? Yes. Well, in that, don't go at it alone. I mean, just reminding, even listening to this podcast says there's a willingness to, I want to be a part of a community. I want others that can remind me I'm not alone because one of the things I'm even studying about pain, which is what I'm going to be talking about at Hope Rising, is, you know, we're mammals. We're part of a, a larger species of mammals. And one of the first biological tendencies we have when we're in really, really acute pain and distress is to isolate. And that's the worst thing, you know, we can do. Um, because it, it won't kill us. It feels like it will, but it won't. And so, yeah, community of boundaries, even for ourselves of, I want to do this and being in community and having accountability of saying, don't let me and remind me right now, I'm not what I feel. Mm -hmm. We can become a whole different person we never thought existed when we're that violated, if you will. Not now, violated. 
intense. Yeah. Where, where along this process do you kind of uh, consider a, a person is sort of making a turn um, in terms of, of healing? Because I think, you know, it's all, it's almost like there's a tipping of the scales, right? Uh, where they can feel like I'm gaining momentum. I'm not just trying to hold ground. What does that look like? You, where does that usually come in the process of healing from trauma? It varies, but you know, I sat with someone yesterday that was six months out and it started to turn. And I knew it turned for her because of these two simple things. It felt less personal. She started in a way to go, okay, I still hate what happened. It wasn't okay, but it's not so personal. I'm not the only one. It's not just me. And I think it's imperative to know you really start to see there's this isn't about me. It happened to me. I'm affected. But what my mate or spouse did had nothing to do with me. It wasn't my fault. Um, this is a separate part of their own journey, their choices, and it, it wasn't about me. And I start to see those two things happening. And how is that, uh, what needs to happen? I mean, we go kind of go back to the whole person, right? The, the fact that there's biology, there's emotions, there's a spirit. Um, why is it that a, a woman, especially that we're talking about here, who's experienced trauma, can't connect with those truths at the beginning? And the reason I ask it that way is because, um, you know, you can tell a, a wife, on day one, when she finds out about her husband's affair, um, you didn't cause this. It's not your fault. Why can't she connect with that until much, much later? There's no room in space, which again is why I just go back to infancy. Pain has a way of just of filling us like that betrayal trauma overtakes. And I'm not speaking lightly. Everyone who's experienced can tell you there's no room. So I save my breath. You know, we can tell them that, but it's hard to believe in that cloud. They don't believe you'll ever be okay. It is so personal. Remember the C.S. Lewis quote I love, but it's so true. It's like pain just shouts to you in caps lock and there's no room to hear. And so it's just then, well, what do you need right now? And the same is true on the other side for many unfaithful. Their shame is so great <laughs> that shame envelops them. But that's a, that's another podcast for another day. But that pain and shame are so high. Um, the first thing I would just, again, remind anyone is be a part of a community. Keep finding community, your podcast, groups, a fair recovery is full of them. People that speak your language and understand. Mm -hmm. Where do you see some women on this journey just get stuck? Like, uh, and, and what is usually uh, the, what does it usually take then to help them get unstuck? Because I can only imagine that there's, there's a lot of ways to get stuck in your trauma, mm -hmm. uh, even if you're wanting to heal from it. But what does that look like? And how can women, how can you help women think about what's necessary to maybe break free from that when they get stuck on the journey? That is a great question. My mind is going, Jonathan, to answering that in two parts. 
And here's why. I'm going, okay, what are you stuck with? Is this something right within you that, you know, personally you're struggling to get over or how repentant is your mate? So sometimes I think, you know, betrayed spouses can take so much responsibility and, and I'll speak to that. They can feel stuck. And then when you start to learn more, it's like, well, your mate's not changing. They're not repentant. They're not growing. Maybe they're not sorry. This is why you're stuck. And that's a whole different conversation. But I do want to say that like your recovery goes a lot better if you have a mate that's actually sorry and repentant and working hard. Oh, yeah. So sometimes I always have to look at that. Like you're stuck out of no reason of your own that, you know, maybe you can't go any farther if your mate's still acting out, still ambivalent, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But if that's not the case and you have a mate that, you know, is doing a pretty good job, if you will, of finding their way back to God, working a program, really seeing some actions change, and you're stuck, um, that, again, is we would go back to what we talked about earlier. That would be time to start to consider some trauma work. Mm-hmm. That it's no fault of your own, but just something even in your makeup, your biographical memory. It's like you can't get through this kind of obsession stage. You can't get over maybe what manifested into a panic or obsession. Um, can you take just can you take just a minute almost to just provide a little sidebar here? of the value of counseling beyond thinking that somebody's got to be messed up to be be in counseling. I think just what you just said, I think is important to recognize help for help. I mean, counseling is good at any stage of our lives, right? So. Exactly. I, I mean, I've always thought about this. Like I tell couples sometimes I'm like, we spend more time and money in America on our lawns than we do our marriages. And the same, and we will spend more money at the dentist than we would our own hearts. And God just says, above all else, guard your heart, know your heart, dry out your heart, protect your heart. And so, you know, trust me, most therapists, we're not out to really make a fortune. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a sign in my office. So my physical office in the waiting room, I have a bulletin board just with stuff I've collected. <laughs> I'm a big blown up picture I do have. It says people in therapy typically go to therapy for people who don't go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's good. That's good. I like that. So um, one other th- question I have before we kind of uh, wrap up our time here is, you know, I think about the the friends and the loved ones of these wives um, who are they want to help. They want to try to be a support. What would you say to those friends and loved ones? What are some of the best things you can do for helping a wife who's experiencing this betrayal trauma? What would you say to the friends and family members? Yeah, I would ask all of us to draw upon our own experiences and grief. You know, if you've lost a parent or a loved one or, you know, what helped and what didn't help. And I just have always been in the school of thought that even well-meaning advice can often be perceived as judgment. So in essence, 
don't. Stop it. Don't give advice unless asked. And even there, it should be a sparing assault. And instead, just a well-meaning, what do you need? How are you? Have you showered today? Can I make you a meal? Do you need coffee? How are you doing? Not what to do. And then, do you need to vent? If so, I'll turn down the volume on my ears and I'll just let you vent. Mm -hmm. Do you need to cry? Do you need to go walk? What do you need right now? And that's all. Yeah, that's so good because I think there's a lot of friends and, and loved ones that feel like the it's necessary that they try to bring some kind of solution to the pain. And I think what you just said is so good that it's more about just their presence. It's more about just them being available, being helpful in a way that can try to serve their physical needs, things like that. Um, as we, as we wrap up our time here, Lori, what are, you know, thinking about that, that wife that's listening right now, wherever she may, she may be right now in her pain, maybe she's on day one. She just found out about her husband's unfaithfulness and she somehow found this podcast is latching onto it, or maybe she's a year or two in and she's kind of riding some new waves of triggers or just some fears and things like that. What, what just words of hope and encouragement would you want to give to the wives out there, no matter where they are in their relationship to their trauma, what would you want to close our time out with of just encouraging them? Sure. I would just say, I wouldn't do this work week in and week out if I did not see and personally know that transformation is possible. Mm. That there is no hope in what's happened. There's not. But there is such incredible hope of what can come out of what's happened. You can't hear that on day one. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you wouldn't believe us, but I just want you to know none of us, probably including you, we wouldn't do what we do if we didn't see it possible mm -hmm. to actually have a life that's even better than the one we had. And I just love that's what God does with us. And he is just a redemptive God. He doesn't waste anything and he's not going to waste this even if you don't know. So it's just hearing that and then it's whether you feel like you want to blast it to the world, don't. But that at the same time, then don't hold it in. Try to find some safe places to land, even listening to this, a safe community. Find some places that are safe enough for your heart and pain. Mm -hmm. just Lori, this has been a great conversation. And let me just say, I'm thankful that, you know, uh, that God took you from agricultural economics into counseling because you have an incredible empathetic spirit, compassion. It just comes through that you really love the women that you're serving and the people that you're wanting to help. And so where can our listeners go to just learn more about you or any other resources that you might want to share with them? Sure. 
So um, I have a personal website for my personal practice. Um, it's really, really impactful. I mean, I really thought this through like 20 years ago when I went to you know do my EIN. All it is is my last name, Bryson Counseling, B-R-Y-S-O-N, counseling.com. Um, so I have a practice here in Washington, Missouri, and I love that. Um, and then also you can find me through the organization of Fair Recovery. Um, and a fair recovery is full of not just classes, but we do the weekend retreats. Um, and I'm part of that therapist mm -hmm. team and we put on events. And so I love, those are my friends, my colleagues, and I'm also accessible there. Um, and that's about it. And, and because of most of our recovery journeys, um, I know social media is so popular. I personally don't do much social media at all. Um, it just guards my heart. So um, I'm a little bit against the grain in that you, you probably could find me on Twitter, but only because I'm an assistant high school tennis coach. But that's it. So I, you know, um, uh, yeah, I'm not big on the socials. That might, <laughs> be, like, why you, that might be why you seem so well-balanced emotionally. So, <laughs> but. I, It's always healthy to take a fast for them, but maybe it's just I'm not smart enough to keep up with all of it. Yeah, so I, I just... Yeah, I, I'm glad they exist for a point, but I, I, I'm not big on that. So you won't find me on any of those. No worries. Well, we will make sure those links uh, to your counseling practice as well as a fair recovery are in the show notes, as well as the Hope Rising Conference, because I think that's going to be a really valuable resource for the, the wives that have listened to this uh, podcast. But Lori, thank you for what you're doing. And thank you again for being on the program. Thank you for having me. I thank you for everything you do. Yeah. Well, listeners, um, we're always glad that you are with us. We want to help you take your next best step uh, with whoever that's with. It doesn't even need to be with resources that we have. We just want to help you take your next best step. So please reach out to us, and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.